Middle of the country, but not middle of the road opinions. It's the podcast dedicated to sports in the air capital of the world. I'm going to Wichita. Wichita, Kansas, and beyond. With Tommy Castor, Weston Mills, and Blake Cripps. This is Keeper of the Games. Some may say that we are wildly unqualified. Some may say that we're only mildly entertaining. I say we are exactly where we need to de- need to be talking about Wichita State basketball making its push to the NCAA tournament. And a message for all the experts in Vegas that had Houston giving 10 points at Coke Arena. Were you on drugs? And how do I get a piece of that action? And with that, we welcome you into episode 55 of the Keeper of the Games podcast. We're still on the bubble of being one of the best things that's ever happened to Sports Talk Radio in Wichita, Kansas. I am Blake Cripps, joined by Tommy Castor, and I'm told that you have been practicing for the Dixie Vodka 400 this weekend. How is that going, and what adjustments do you feel like you're going to need to make to move up from Kellogg to the NASCAR circuit? Hey, I'll tell you right now that I was only going going five over the posted speed limit, and so... I'm a little irritated at WPD right now, if we're going to be totally be honest. I I need to find a, 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 a sponsor, somebody that I can be, I can endorse their product to pay for my speeding ticket because that is egregious. I, I hate there's it's exactly like that, you know, the ball going into the post. And uh, we had so many quick three-second calls in the Newman games. Like, I, like, does that really help the game of basketball? Is ticketing someone for going five over, is that really keeping us safer? Are we going to sleep better at night because of that? I, I hate that. I hate those nickel-dimer calls. We're also joined by Weston Mills, who I am told has some words of advice for Patrick Mahomes and Brittany Lynn, who just welcomed their baby girl to the world. I'm told that they are listening today. So as the father of a new baby daughter yourself – what is your advice for Mahomie and Brittany Lynn? My advice to, to Patrick and to Brittany and to little girl Sterling Sky Mahomes is that your daughter needs to be on my daughter's summer basketball team whenever they get to the appropriate <laughs> age. That's the advice that I've got for you guys. And heck, I know Brittany plays soccer, so you know what? I'll get my daughter into soccer if that's what we need to do, but they need to be teammates. That's what I'm pleading to you, Patrick, if you're listening today. That's actually true. I think Brittany, she played collegiately, and I'm yeah. pretty sure she may have actually played professionally overseas somewhere. Yeah. Not like a not like a real big she wasn't at like the European level. I don't know what the women's version of Premier League is, but I mean she got paid to play soccer, so she was right. obviously pretty good. You you guys would be actually like like if you stay in Kansas City, you realize like there's a chance like you could go to the same I don't know what school district they're in. But, I mean, that's something that could possibly happen. You could have Patrick Mahomes in your parent-teacher conference. Yeah, no, I think we're already starting to – we might already start looking at Holmes and work – not his neighborhood because that's not possible. Like, I don't – I think he bought a neighborhood for himself. Um, and we might not be invited. But whatever that school district is, I'm uh, ma- looking to make the move already. So you can stay in touch with us in a myriad of ways. We're on Twitter at CogPod, uh, CogPod.Podomatic.com, and your favorite podcasting platform, Apple, Google, Spotify, TuneIn. I'm not going to read the rest. We're on almost everything. We're online at CogSports.com. You can watch the show on our YouTube channel or at Facebook.com slash 
keeper of the games. Today on the show, Wichita State gets bad news. Kansas basketball takes on the Lone Star State. Kansas State takes on Oklahoma on senior day, and Wichita State baseball opens up its season. But we begin today with your Wichita State Shockers taking care of business at home, knocking off the number six Houston Cougars last week. Guys, we mentioned this in our initial preview of this game, how huge this was for Wichita State to get a quadrant one win over a very quality, at least Tommy and I think they're quality. Weston just thinks they're a garbage team that hasn't played anybody. (laughs) But Tommy and I actually think that the Cougars are actually a good team. Um, It was the first time in 50 years that the Shockers had beaten somebody like this at Coke Arena. And by the way, I have to plug myself a little bit. I said, win the fast breaks, win the free throw battle was my two keys. Seven to seven, tied on fast break points. Wichita State was 18 of 23 from the line. Houston was five of 11. Tommy, Wichita State did exactly what they need to do. Houston still had about 10 more field goals attempted in this game, which if you look at the stats coming in, that's exactly what they do. They get more possessions. They generate offensive opportunities for themselves. The Shockers were just too good defensively. They were able to limit the Cougars' ability to get up and down in transition. And Houston, which we knew coming in, I said that they foul a lot, which they took advantage of that. They got to the free throw line, and it was a very impressive victory that puts Wichita State just by about everybody's estimation right now, looking at some of the bracketology projections they are absolutely squarely on the bubble from being out i think joe lenardi said they were out on the curb now they're on the porch and depending on who you ask there may be one of those last four in or one of those first four out but they are directly smack dab in the middle of this conversation to be playing meaningful basketball in march and by the way in the driver's seat for the american athletic conference regular season championship Yeah, what I loved about that game, looking back on it, is that 40 minutes, Shockers and Cougars, that that encapsulates the entire season for Wichita State. That game was a microcosm of what we've seen from the Shockers all year long. Kind of a little bit of a rough start, kind of a slow go for Wichita State. Season-wise, obviously, they had that opening tournament uh, they had to pull out of because of COVID issues. You know, they dropped a couple of games early on, especially against some quality opponents like Missouri and Oklahoma State. And then all of a sudden, we've sort of seen them start to come back and then just snatch away first place from Houston. Now, this game... It was the microcosm of that. The Shockers fell behind by as many as 12 points in the first half. They started to come back. They had a ferocious second half. Uh, Really, I know that, Blake, you were looking at the fast break points and the the foul shooting. I was looking at rebounds in this game, and that was even something that Isaac Brown had said. Those were the top three keys of victory for the Shockers, rebounding, rebounding, rebounding. And the Shockers (laughs) actually out-rebounded Houston 35-33. 35-33. Houston is an outstanding rebounding team, and they have been for the last couple of seasons under Kelvin Sampson, and the Shockers were able to go in and out-rebound them. And then, just as I talked about how Wichita State sort of swooped in and snatched first place in the American Conference away from Houston, 
on a microcosm level, that's exactly what Dexter Dennis did with just a couple of seconds left, got that huge steal to seal the victory for Wichita State. So hats off to the Shockers, hats off to Isaac Brown. That is a, that's a defining game for the team. That's a defining game for Coach Brown as well. You know, shout out to some of these other guys that, you know, played absolutely fantastic, like Tyson Etienne and Alter Gilbert each had 16 points. Dexter Dennis added 12. That's the kind of game that I think, guys, we all knew that Wichita State, they were capable of, and they were actually able to go out and execute it. You know, if you look at this team, to me, I think there is, talent-wise, just zero question that they deserve to be in the tournament from a talent perspective, right? But that's not the whole picture of of what the selection committee is going to do because you have a resume. But I do think this year, I think there may be more of the selection committee having no choice but to taking kind of that college football playoff approach and say, okay, who are the best 64 teams? Or, well, 68 if you count them. You're saying the eye test. Right. And to some degree, it's got to be a little bit of both, right? Because you can't, right. there's just with so many teams, you can't penalize someone who did put that, that tough resume together. You know, they played, they ran through the gauntlet, got some tough wins, had a few tough losses. And then, but at the same time, how can you penalize a team like Wichita State, who's done everything right? They've just had games fall out from their schedule. And for the most part, at, at almost zero fault of their own. So, you know, I think they're going to have to and it's going to put a better product on the, you know, on the television for the for the NCAA if they do that. If they talk to their selection committee and say, "Look, we we want the best teams in." And and look, of course we're going to take some exceptions to, okay, yeah, that team's pretty good, but boy, they they really didn't have anyone. That's a different conversation. Wichita State from a talent perspective deserves to be in this tournament. And at this point, I, I really do think there's not going to be any question that that they get in. Um, and I'm looking at that as of right now, this is updated uh, February 23rd at 7.15 a.m. by Joe Lenardi. He's got Wichita State as a 12 seed. So that would be one of the last teams into the tournament. Now, Shocker fans, you're going to want to sit down for this if you have been away from watching the sports news in Wichita. Uh, you may want to put that champagne back in the bottle. Don't pop it just yet for the NCAA tournament. Shocker has got some terrible news this week. Not one, but two more games off the schedule. They will not be playing Southern Methodist at all. The Mustangs are in coronavirus protocols. The number 68 net team in the country is Wichita State. They had a chance to get a quad one win at SMU and a quad two win at home in the net rankings. Now, this is not supposed to be a discussion as to whether you like the net or not, or if you want to go back to RPI. The the point is the metric that they're using right now, Wichita State had a chance to get two more wins. They're not going to get any of those games played. And in fact, Coach Brown was talking earlier this week about how they called at least three other conferences looking for a game. They called a team from the SEC. They called a Big East team, maybe more than one. They called somebody from the Mountain West. So all they've got are two games left at Tulane. Four, uh, they're four and nine in the AAC on March third. The Owls of Temple three and ten on March sixth. So that's good news if you are into championships because if Wichita State wins those, they're going to be the American Athletic Conference champion. They control their destiny. However, if you're looking at the tournament prospects for Wichita State for the NCAA tournament, 
obviously not getting a chance to get another quad one win and another quad two win with Wichita State currently having a two and four record against the top 75 in the net. Uh, That is a huge opportunity that's missed for the Shockers that they're just simply not going to get in the regular season. I think what is so disappointing about this for Shocker fans is that Wichita State has had nine, count them, nine (laughs) postponements or cancellations due to COVID-19 this season, zero of which are the fault of the Shockers. They have not been on a COVID pause one time due to issues within the program. And so that just makes it, that's just infuriating. And I think it just it just kind of continues to to throw you know the the season for a loop it's already been a tumultuous season for Wichita State one of one a season which by the way i'd like to say Isaac Brown has led his team through admirably oh absolutely due to everything everything that has gone on in, in the program and i you know i don't know if we can talk about this uh, on this episode or if we want to wait to uh, till another future episode but how does isaac brown still not have the permanent head coaching job after that performance against houston i tweeted it i know a lot of people were saying it darren boatwright should have given isaac brown a contract before he left the building before he left charles <laughs> coke arena that night I know there's a lot of red tape to go through. I know there's a lot of hoops you got to jump through. But by God, I'm not sure there's anybody else on the planet that could have led Wichita State to this kind of success. You know, I mean, they're they're 13 and four right now. What else do you want from the Shockers? What else do you want out of them? I know that you look at some early season games, like again, like I mentioned, the Missouri and Oklahoma State games. That's going to help their net ranking for sure. But what more can you ask for out of these Shockers? And so. I think just knowing that, you know, you had a chance to play two quality games two and the, those games we dissected, you know, pretty pr- on a pretty large scale last week on the program about what it was going to take for the Shockers to beat Houston and then back to back SMU to have those two SMU games yanked off the schedule when you're a team that is desperate for wins. That's just got to be devastating for the Shockers. You know, I, I've got uh, I've got a little bit of a hot take on this, and uh, uh, just full disclosure to our to our listeners, we had we've been having some technical difficulties with the hot uh, take horn, so I might be getting buzzed, and I don't even know. But um, <laughs> so my hot my hot take is is this: I actually think SMU getting canceled is going to be a blessing in disguise for Wichita State, and the reason I say that is because I because I think they're in. I think they are in right now. I think that that Houston game, I think it was a convincing win. When I watched that game, I thought they were clearly the better basketball team. And I, and I know it ended up being being close. But at the end of that uh, stretch, and, and I can't remember exactly what the minute mark was, but uh, Wichita State went up 44-34. They were just absolutely taking it to Wichita State. I think it was a, I mean, a complete statement win. And with the exception of a early round exit, um, you know, in the conference tournament, I think they're in. So, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that I think they couldn't have taken care of business with SMU and even further padded their position. But at this point, again, I just think the selection committee is going to, I've already circled the wagons on this, but I think the selection committee is going to take into consider the best teams. I think Wichita state is, is that. And I think just losing those two games just makes it an easier path to not, um, you know, screwing it up down the stretch. I mean, I, I I understand what you're saying, but I don't agree with it. Now, you have to balance this because if you're a Shocker fan, the it, you should be excited that you're going to be hanging a banner up at Coke Arena next year because, I mean, let's be honest. 
I can't sit here today. I'm the guy that picked the Shockers to go 5-0 and down the stretch, which I don't believe anybody else on this program had the guts to do. So credit to myself for that. But second, I can't tell you with 100% certainty that Wichita State won't lose it to Lane or lose at Temple. I'm certainly never going to predict that, but it's a crazy year. Things can happen. So it's far from a foregone conclusion that Wichita State is going to just go into Tulane and just go into Temple and win those games. But I think that it's so – you can't – if you want to tell me that Wichita State is in, I'll believe you. And I actually agree with you, but – you and I are not seeding the tournament. The people up in Indianapolis are seeding the tournament. And wouldn't you rather have them be not just sure, but damn sure that they've got the right team coming out of Wichita, Kansas in black and yellow? Because I would. I think that all day, if Isaac Brown can get another game, I think he's going to. I don't think that it's going to happen. I don't believe that it will happen. But I think if he can get another game for this Saturday. He should, and I think they will, and I think Wichita State will go and play almost anybody if they can get a game this week, but I don't think it'll happen. You know, I I tweeted this, um, and I think I tweeted it yesterday, tweeted it on Tuesday, uh, and I'm, I'm going to expound on it a little bit, and I know we're going to get into the Jayhawks here in a little bit. Um, I, If you know me at all, if you have followed anything that I've ever said, you'll you know that I am not normally a proponent of Wichita State and Kansas playing each other in basketball. In fact, the last time they met in the NCAA tournament, I didn't watch the game. To this day, I've never seen that game. Why? I couldn't do it. I was I wasn't a fan of it. I just couldn't do it because I just I I wasn't going to enjoy it one way or another in my mind. So I to this day I've never seen it. However, this is a unique season. It's unique circumstances. We know the Kansas Jayhawks are looking potentially for another game next week after the Big Twelve regular season wraps up. We know that Isaac Brown and the Shockers are looking for another game. This is a situation in my mind where I don't believe that either team has anything to lose one way or another, regardless of the outcome. If you want to do it in a neutral location, do it in Emporia. Go up the turnpike, play in Emporia (laughs) if you want to meet somewhere in the middle. You could do that. I mean, it's not like you have to worry about fans. Go to a neutral site, play each other, and then one way or another, you know, the Shockers are going to be playing a team that is a lock in the NCAA tournament, and that could help their resume probably would help their resume and KU is looking for an opportunity to help their seeding and Wichita State has proven themselves to be a bubble team so I don't see an issue one way or another with that happening will it happen I don't know but I am advocating for those two programs to contact each other and guys I wouldn't be surprised if they've at least already had some conversations I don't know if it'll happen or not but it wouldn't shock me one way or another if at least they've kicked the tires on that idea you know, I, I I think it makes sense, you know, for I don't think there's as much risk as there usually is for Kansas. Um, you know, obviously the typical no. commentary would be, you know, if you're Kansas, if you beat Wichita State, you were supposed to beat Wichita State. But if you lose to Wichita State, then it's an upset and it hurts your, you know, I don't think that's as much here. I, I, of course, if they lost Wichita State, they might drop down a seed or two. And I doubt two, maybe one seed. Weston, so if this was... If this, if this was last year's Kansas squad, then yeah, we wouldn't be having right. this conversation. There's no way I would have advocated for the number one team in America to, to play Wichita State. It's a different Kansas team this year. I wouldn't have an issue with those two programs playing each other because I think it helps fulfill goals for both teams. 
But I do think, though, from Wichita State's perspective, if they don't beat Kansas, I think that puts them at real risk of, you know, making their resume look even, okay, look, they, they beat Houston. Now, was that an upset or is Wichita State that good? I think if you lose to another ranked team, it's like, well, shoot, maybe they can't play with everybody, um, you know, and I, I don't know. And of course that's not that, that can't be. And I know it's not the mindset of Wichita state, the mindset's of course we can play with anybody. We will play with anybody. We're not scared to play anybody, you know? So I totally understand. Uh, but I do think it, it does come with a significant risk uh, playing Kansas, as opposed to if you could find a power five school, that's right on the edge. That's like, Hey, look, we're trying, we're look, we're trying selection committee to put, put some better, uh, games on our schedule, but also at the same time, not you know going in and playing a team that potentially could be a black mark on on the the resume. Listen, I, I don't understand where this this whole idea of well, you, you know, you can't play at Wichita State because they might hurt your resume. You know, they haven't won less than twenty five games in a year since two thousand and eight, two thousand nine, right? Like they've been to the NCAA tournament what, six straight years? And the year before that, they won the NIT championship. So, you know, what are we talking about? Uh, let's see, the, the last three years in the American, 25 and 8, 22 and 15, 23 and 8. Don't know if they would have made the NCAA tournament last year. They certainly made it and should have gone on more in 2018. NIT team in 2019, they took a step back. But, I mean, Wichita State is a brand now. People know who they are. Obviously, with Greg Marshall being gone, that changes, you know, the whole play angry thing. And Greg Marshall, obviously, as you guys know, whether you love him or hate him, he's a big personality type of a coach that gets national recognition and has that name recognition. But this whole idea that, oh, Wichita State, you know, if you might damage your resume by losing them, that's, that's over and done with. That's been gone so you know blake would 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 you advocate then for this matchup to potentially happen no but here's why i don't see an opening on the schedule for this kansas plays on the 27th against baylor at home then they've got a week off could they play there absolutely however that's the week that wichita state is playing wichita state has the road trip to tulane on the third and then at temple on the sixth so the only window that they would really have to play that game would be in between Saturday the 6th and the start of the American Athletic Conference Tournament on the 11th, which is Thursday, and the start of the Big 12 Tournament, which would be on the 10th, which is Wednesday. And obviously, KU probably is not going to be in that first round. I don't think that that helps either team to play in the first couple of days. Wichita State's not going to play with an American Athletic Conference championship on the line with two road games, long road trips. If Wichita State loses one of those games, as in they don't get to play it because of coronavirus protocols, then yes, absolutely, play the game. But Wichita State, I don't think that it benefits them at all to try to give up. It would benefit them for seeding, but I don't think that they would do that because they want to win the championship. They want to win an American Athletic Conference championship. And as much as playing Kansas would help them, I, I don't see a window for this to happen in terms of just scheduling, but in terms of KU and Wichita State playing at this point in both program standing, yes. I mean, 
sure, when KU was blowing the doors off Wichita State, winning by 50 in the Roy Williams era, yeah, there's no reason to play Wichita State. Now, that that's not a consideration. The, this Wichita, the state of this Wichita State program is so night and day different than it was 20 years ago. We have to get out of this thinking that Wichita State, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter what conference that they're in, how many teams not in the Power Five, you want to call them mid-majors or non-BCS, as Greg Marshall used to say it it doesn't matter gonzaga top program in the country villanova top program in the country both programs better than the blue bloods kentucky this year both better than ucla which has been a blue blood in a decade and a half so i this this idea and notion that kansas and wichita state at this point can't play because it might hurt ku standing that's just bogus and i don't buy it well, I don't, and I think you're looking too go, much at you're looking too much at the name and not focusing on just the idea of you know a, a ranked team and a, a team that is perennially ranked top fifteen playing a team that is unranked but is talented. I mean, and again, I get you're as a team you should have the mindset we're not we can beat anybody we're not scared to beat anybody. But Wichita State being unranked and still a very good basketball team that's a recipe to put a bad loss on your on your resume, assuming that Wichita State stays in that unranked. And then you add in the context of, I know it's not a true rivalry game, but you're going to have a lot of those Wichita State kids that would really oh, get up for a, for playing a Kansas, kind of like kind of like the whole KU-Mizzou conversation now. But but otherwise, I get what you're saying because I do agree. Wichita State, that basketball pro, it's a totally different conversation now that we're having about Kansas and Wichita State playing than it would have been 10 years ago. So Wichita State. I just State want to mention is, very quickly. Ahead, Tommy. Yeah. If, if I can just mention very quickly. So I know that obviously I mentioned this before about Isaac Brown, and we can get into his job status on another episode. But sure. I do want to say, you know, they, they did he did upset Houston. I thought he should have been named the coach immediately after that game, permanently. If the Shockers can beat Tulane and Temple and they become American Athletic Conference champions for the regular season. How do you get rid of him? He is not named for the head coach. How can you not hire him at that point? I mean, I'm 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 racking my brain right now <laughs> as to why he hasn't just been named the permanent head coach. But if you're the conference champion, I just don't understand. And I and I don't want this to I don't want to harp on uh Darren Boatwright. I don't want to turn this into a big thing, but it was it's a little surprising to me and, and maybe a little disheartening that Darren Boatwright after the Houston upset was silent. I mean, I looked at his social media, didn't, didn't say anything. Uh, and, and so I don't know, like, I just feel like at this point, what Isaac Brown and what that program needs is the leadership to come in behind him and say, look, we're going to set you up for success, not just this season, but in the future. And we're going to go ahead and make you permanent head coach. You have proven it to us. So that's my only point. I know that we'll have more to talk about it later on and when we find out something, but I definitely think if the Shockers can get a regular season conference championship, you can't not make him the head coach at that point. Real quick, Weston, have you seen all that you need to see? Real quick. Have I s- say what? Have you seen all that you need to see to lead you to believe that Isaac Brown is the best choice for Wichita State? Gotcha, sorry. I was not following. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think the only thing I'll, I'll add to, to maybe, I don't know, 
counter what Tommy's saying is I just wonder if a lot of those conversations are just, they just are not going to have them during the season. I feel like you don't see a lot of extensions. Those kind of things happen during the season, not saying it's appropriate or not appropriate. I'm just saying you don't typically see it. And I'm just wondering if those conversations and often, and I hear this more, I think more in the context of NFL MLB players, not that usually coaches saying, Hey, I'm not interested in negotiating my contract during the season. Let's do that afterwards. Maybe that's what's going on here. I obviously have no inside information on that pure speculation on my part. Yeah. I don't read anything into, you know, Darren Boatwright's social media feed. I think that if you try to do that right now, it could be a distraction. I think just wait until after the season and do it, but uh, I'm with not even, not even a, not even a congratulations. I Isaac Allen and the shocker basketball team. Come on. I don't, Surely, I don't come he, on. If you want to read He's something into that, I'm not reading anything into that, uh, but I have seen all that I need to see. If I'm a if if I am the decision maker for Wichita State, Isaac Brown's my guy. That's who I want as my coach. Next up for them, they're going down to Fogelman Arena at Tulane in New Orleans on Wednesday, five p.m. five p.m. on March third. So this will be a week from yesterday as you're listening and watching this podcast and then March 6th at Temple obviously you want to check and stay up to date with social media as you know they they might add a game as you're listening to this who knows but they're trying to get a game for Saturday doesn't sound like that's going to happen on to the University of Kansas Jayhawks trying to move up in the Big 12 standings five game winning streak for Kansas as they come back after beating Oklahoma State back-to-back wins over Iowa State and an easy win over Kansas State they had a tough Time with Texas this week. Number 15, Texas Tech coming into Allen Fieldhouse. The Jayhawks win at 67-61. They go to Texas, lose a tough one in overtime, 75-72. Guys, we can talk about both games or separately. Obviously, KU more than steadying the ship with this five-game winning streak, another big-time quality win over a Texas Tech team. David McCormick played exceptionally well in that game against Texas. Uh, Jalen Wilson was kind of the star. And at the end, you could see the victory slip away as he has a wide open layup. I was yelling at my screen like, okay, we're, we're going to a second overtime. And the ball just flies away. Um, he played really, really good in that game. I feel bad for him. Missed a free throw. He did not have a good last about two minutes of this ball game. Um, Kansas didn't have a very good second half in that game against Texas. Against Texas Tech, really gutty, impressive win. And I think in both games, especially in the Texas Tech game, Tommy, Kansas is playing better defensively, which is what I've been saying this whole time that KU needs to do in order to get back to their normally elite status is play better defense. They definitely got that done against Texas Tech. They did that as well against Texas, but unfortunately against the Longhorns, not quite for the full 40 minutes. Yeah, you know, watching the 40 minutes against Texas Tech and then the first 20 minutes against Texas, those three halves... I'm watching, you know, those games and play and I'm thinking, you know, this could be a sweet 16 team. Uh, They were playing at a high enough level. And I was like, all right, the effort is there. The talent is there. Let's put it all together and let's make it work. And that's what the Jayhawks were able to do. Now, the second half against Texas and overtime against Texas, completely different scenario. You know, the Jayhawks just sort of crumbled a little bit. Um, I still to this day, 
uh, am going to argue the fact that the best lineup for the Jayhawks when David McCormick is not on the court is a five guard lineup. Um, I just don't think you're getting anything from Mitch Lightfoot right now. Um, mm. You know, I know that Blake, you're gonna you're gonna jump down my throat as far as talking about the plus minus numbers, but Mitch Lightfoot consistently is minus when he's out on the court. Um, so I no, think that I, that's I the best anything. scenario. I, I cannot argue with you on Mitch Life. I would never argue. I and I love Mitch Lightfoot, but no, I, I I don't argue with Mitch Lightfoot. He has not had a good season for Kansas. I'm sorry. And, and I, I love the guy. I, I love my I, yeah. Sure. Everybody loves prison Mitch. Everybody does, but uh it's just difficult when he's when he's outmatched. You know, he's out he's outmatched on the court, you know, a lot with a lot of these opponents. And unfortunately, we saw how exposed Kansas is in the post when David McCormick fouled out in overtime, they just had no answer for an athletic and physical team like Texas is. And, you know, it's surprising to me that even in the first half, Kansas was up as much as they were against the Longhorns because of how physical and the size advantage that the Longhorns has, you know, Greg Brown, could be taking it to the to the rim every single time he touches the ball but he's you know in some cases settling for threes and that I think that played in you know to Kansas's benefit a little bit but you know I I, I do like the, de- the, de- the defensive effort that we saw from Kansas especially in that Texas Tech game um, you know I know that that Weston has his favorite sports name in Cooper Cornbloom but my favorite sports name is Mac McClung from Texas Tech uh, and I thought that Kansas defensively did a really good job of limiting what Mac could do for the Red Raiders. So, yeah, there definitely are some positives that you can take away, you know, from the last week for Kansas. But then at the same time, you have to be disappointed. I think us as as Jayhawk fans, we're so used to Bill Self winning these these close games against ranked opponents. And we just haven't had that luxury this season. And unfortunately, the game against Texas was one of them. You know, I uh, some people who follow me on Twitter probably saw this, but I am particularly irked that I stayed all the way up for an overtime game and for Kansas to lose. My oh, goodness, gosh. broke my heart. I thought about going to bed at halftime. I was like, no, no, Weston, you can stay up. You're only 31 years old. Surely you can make it to you know 10 <laughs> o'clock for the end of regulation. And then overtime came. And I was like, okay, I got to make that. And then they just broke my heart. I mean, that's pathetic. You know, so goodness gracious, but that's bad. You know, back to the game, I I think something that they're going to have to figure out, and we might be at the point in the season where there's just no figuring out, is something has to be done with Marcus Garrett because, obviously, there is nobody on this team, nobody in this conference, maybe nobody in NCAA that plays defense like Marcus Garrett. But again, if you look at the Texas game, he was 2 for 12 from the field, 0 for 2 from the three-point line. And you can look at those numbers, and that's disappointing. But what the other thing that is just hurts this team so much offensively is that they're not even guarding Marcus Garrett. They're, you know, that is always the guy that is sagging off and disrupting that lane for Jalen Wilson, for Ochai, for Christian Brown, helping down on David McCormick and double, double teaming him. It's becoming a, a legitimate problem. And I don't, I don't know what the answer is for Bill, uh, at least at the point where you'd think he'd, tr- he's going to try everything that he's tried. One curious, one thing that I'm curious about is I know they, I personally think that 
makes most sense to have him bring the ball up because when the ball's already in his hands, the offense is starting with someone having to guard Marcus Garrett. And I think that helps maybe with the flow of the offense. The other thing too, is, is you talk about this small lineup. I almost wonder if playing him kind of in that four position, and I know it's truly four guards, but that, that four spot making him kind of work the middle where you already have guys. I mean, that, that the, those bigger defenders are already in the lane and you're not, having that extra guard that's now jumping down and, and packing the lane, maybe it can help open things up. And I mean, certainly, obviously I'm not Bill self. So, you know, maybe it's something he's thought and it didn't work in practice or they just haven't done, or, or maybe they've tried it at times and I've just missed it, but something they've got to figure something out there because when everybody else isn't clicking, well, and let me rephrase that. This is, this team isn't one where it can, overcome somebody hurting the team offensively and years past we've had one or two guys that are so good offensively if there's someone out there that is hurting the team offensively it doesn't it doesn't affect them too much overall well this team they need all five clicking to be a good efficient off offensive team um then the defense is a whole nother thing that and, and, and with the defense not being as good you absolutely cannot afford to not have marcus garrett on the floor so it's a real give and take and it, it really puts bill self in a, in a pretty tough coaching spot i think and and we see that kind of push over at times you know one thing that i think with going kind of talking about what you were just you know referencing about marcus garrett and you know the ball in his hands and and shooting and that sort of thing I don't know if you guys realize this, but I believe it was the last, I'm going to get the number wrong, either seven or nine possessions for the Jayhawks in uh, in regulation before we went to overtime in that game. The two guys that touched the ball, the two guys that shot the ball, Marcus Garrett, David McCormick, that's it. Those were the only two guys that got shots up the last either seven or nine possessions. I saw the stat last night. While you had Jalen Wilson, who had 16 points. Ochai Abaji had 17 points. Christian Brown had 10 points. You couldn't get one of those guys a shot in the last seven or nine possessions or, or shots or, or, or goals in regulation. That, that was the shot attempt that the, the Jayhawks had. And so I just think that... What the, what Kansas is missing is just creating more of those opportunities for your scores to get the points. And that's one thing that the Jayhawks have on this team. They have scores. They have shooters. That's what they have. They've got guys on the wing that can shoot. Christian Brown, Ochai Baji, Jalen Wilson. They can shoot. Get them the ball more often. You shouldn't have to constantly feed the post to David McCormick or try to create a, a drive-in for Marcus Garrett every single time, especially when the game is on the line. You know, the only thing I'll add there, though, is in, uh, I'm surprised Blake hasn't jumped all over us because as much as you and I have been critical about David McCormick not being efficient um, and he was better <laughs> against Texas. Well, you know, you, you point out getting the ball to Jalen Wilson and Ochai. Jalen Wilson was four for 12 from the game. That's 33 percent from the field. That's not good. Ochai Abaji, five for 15 from the field, 33 percent from the field. That's not good. Now, granted, three Ochai, points in the second in the second half. Ochai was five for 11 from three points, which is a lot of, that's a lot of three pointers, but five for 11, that's much more efficient. I would say than you know, just five from 15 from the field. So they just, and that kind of goes to my point. And I think that we've all touched on this same concept is there just isn't a guy. There's not the guy who's going to go get your points. No, every, every single one of these guys has good nights in and out. And so you can't afford for a guy to have a bad night. When, when one guy has a bad night, this offense just can't overcome that because 
you know, we're not getting, we don't have two guys that are going to give you great nights, night in and night out. It just doesn't happen here. I, I, I don't, I am perplexed about this hatred of David McCormick. I don't well, understand I said he, I said he it. Played, he played well against Texas, other than, of course, he, he turned the ball over in overtime <laughs> on an incredibly stupid pass and fouled in overtime on an absolutely idiotic, um, I don't know, hip bump. Like, I don't know what he was thinking trying to go guard that, that guard on the play. baseline. 100% a bad play. He's <sighs> KU's second best scorer. He's scoring yeah. 13 a game. Like, I, I don't understand what you want from him. Now, it's, Marcus Garrett. It, it's not about the points. We've been over this. It's about the efficiency. Like, like you, if you score 13 and shoot 40 shots, no one cares. And, yeah, and I understand again, he, that, but that's not did, what happened. And he, no, no, Texas, he, I, I agree. Hand up. That's what I'm saying. He played much better against Texas other than those two boneheaded, just mental mistakes. Um, but that, that's what against Texas Tech. He was seven know. of 10 for 17 points and eight rebounds. Okay, fair. I didn't like, have those numbers in front of me. Like, like, I understand Marcus Garrett has been inconsistent. But again, Marcus Garrett, I mean, can I interest you in five of seven from the field with 10 points, five assists, three turnovers against the Red Raiders, with the plus nine and the plus minus? Can I interest you in that? Yes, well, Marcus but- Garrett did not play as well against Texas. He was not good offensively. He, he only had one turnover. He limited his turnovers. I give him credit for that. But he did not finish off the dribble. And when Marcus Garrett is not finishing off the dribble, he was just two for 12. But David McCormick, I mean, he scored 12 points. He was five of nine from the field. My issue was the missed free throws. That's that's what I take issue with. That's, so that's I don't mind of- the touches for McCormick. If Marcus Garrett wants to get it to somebody else, I understand that. But Ochai Abaji scored three points, three in the second half. So why are you going to harp on yeah, David but, McCormick but, but, when you don't look but, at Ochi? Okay, but he was four of six shooting three-pointers in the first half. So I know that we can go back and forth and say, all right, well, yeah, but he only had three points in the second half. He was on fire in the first half. I know and I don't know. I'm just thinking I'm just thinking that shooters got to shoot, right? And so if you're four of six in the first half, then you're feeling like you've got the hot hand. Let's keep it going. Now, obviously, that didn't translate as much in the second half, but I would rather put the ball in his hands and let him continue to shoot it if he's feeling good doing that. That that's just me. I don't have a problem with David McCormick. I know that you think that I have this hatred of him, which I don't. I do think that I do think Good. that some of it is I do think that some of it, and I'll, I'll admit to this, is recency bias that we're, we were used to having Yudoka Azabuke, who shot at an incredibly efficient pace, uh, and that's not David McCormick. He plays a different game, um, but at the same time, you the the I feel like he's being fed the ball. David McCormick is being fed the ball like he is Yudoka Azabuke. Like back off of him a little bit. You don't have to get it to him on every single every single possession. And that's what I feel like the Jayhawks were doing, especially down the stretch in a clutch game. I'd rather them spread it out a little bit more. That's just my only point. Okay, well, so in- here's here's my rebuttal. Ochai Abaji shot six threes in the first half, six, six three-point attempts. He shot five three-pointers attempted in the second half. He missed four of them. So it's not like they went away from Ochai Abaji. Ochai Abaji didn't shoot the ball well in the second half. They gave him one fewer three-point shot. He took 11 three-pointers in the game. Would you want him to get 15 threes attempted in the game when he wasn't so- shooting well in the second half? So let me ask you this, though, and I'll answer your question with the question. If the Jayhawks <laughs> okay. are in 
when the Jayhawks are in the NCAA tournament and let's say that they're playing a sweet 16 game and you know, the idol, let's say they're playing Creighton in the sweet 16. I don't know. Let's just throw them out there. Okay. And it's a tight game. It's a tight game. It's kind of back and forth. Jayhawks are leading by a couple. Then Creighton's leading by a few and it's kind of going back and forth with two minutes left in the ball game and the Jayhawks, let's say they have seven possessions left maybe a little bit more than two minutes. Let's say three minutes left in the game and they've got seven possessions left with the basketball. Are you as a Jayhawk fan content with every single shot selection in those final three minutes being from either Marcus Garrett or David McCormick? Probably not. But if they're playing well, if they're playing well, well then that's a different story. And okay, that goes this, back to what Weston said. We don't have an alpha guy on this team like well, Dotson, who is going, or Frank Mason the third, or Andrew Wiggins, who is, or Ben McLemore to step up and be that guy and take control of the offense. We don't have that. You have to play by committee and who's playing well that night. Maybe it's going to be Jalen Wilson a lot of nights. Probably will be. If Ochai Abaji's playing like he did in the first half, it's going to be Abaji. And sometimes it will be David McCormick. And and Marcus Garrett. Should it have been against Texas? Probably not Marcus Garrett. I don't mind. I didn't have any problem with the touches that McCormick got in overtime. By the way, made most of those shots, had a huge offensive rebound to get the Jayhawks into overtime and had a big shot in overtime, missed free throws. I get it. He's got to make those free throws, but I didn't have a problem with any of his touches. Marcus Garrett did have some, it stumbled on that layup that ended up being, I think that was the one that McCormick got the offensive rebound and the stick back on. Marcus Garrett didn't have a good offensive day going for his own shot. He didn't. I'm not going to discount that. But look, and here's the thing. I think we're kind of all arguing a little bit of the same thing. And you're making our point, Blake, when you're when you pointed out that in the Texas Tech game, both Garrett and McCormick were, were efficient from the field. And that's that's what we're really getting at is they have to be efficient. And neither of them tend to do that in high volume situations. So now let's move to the Texas game. McCormick only played 24 minutes and only had nine shots from the field. And he played a nice game. He was five for nine. That's an efficient clip. Now look at Marcus Garrett. For some reason, Marcus Garrett shot the ball 12 times against tick uh, against Texas. I understand. It was only two for 12 and was not efficient. So that's kind of the point I think. And I think we're all kind of arguing the same thing, just in a little different manner. Like we're all arguing, Hey, look, people have to be efficient, you know? And I think just, I think we're just differing on when guys can be efficient, but um, you know, ultimately look, I, I still think this team has, a lot of talent we've seen it at times i mean i you know if you watch that first half kansas dominated texas i don't even th- i mean 43 32 at the end of the first half it felt like kansas dominated almost every facet of that game um and that's the talent they can bring night in and night out against anyone it's just been this long season of complete inconsistency from any of the starting fives and obviously we know the, the lack of of depth on the bench so um it's going to be interesting to see what they can put together as, as we move towards the, the tournament. But I, you know, I think different talent levels, which I'll say, but again, I think this team's talent is more reflective, uh, more, more reflective than their record says. And same with Wichita state. Like I think they're a more talented team than like, if you look at their national ranking. So kind of, I think they're kind of in the same, same boat there. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they things go as they move towards March. 
I do want to say one quick thing before we, I don't know if we're moving away from Kansas basketball or, or what, but because I know that there's obviously a huge game happening this weekend for the Jayhawks. Uh, don't be surprised, guys. And I'm not I'm not going to say this is going to happen, but don't be surprised if the Jayhawks end the season with the same about the same wins as the Jayhawks team did the first season under Roy Williams, which was 19 wins. They've got 17 right now. They're going to be hard-pressed to beat Baylor on Saturday. They could very well, you know, they might win one game in the Big 12 tournament. I don't know if they'll go much further than that. And they could very well lose in the second round of the NCAA tournament, which would give them 19 wins on the season. So it'd be the first time since 1988-89 that the Jayhawks have not won 20 games in a season. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying the possibilities there on the table. Understand, remember, fewer games this year. Everybody's playing less games, less games in the regular sure. season. So you've got to you've got to take that into account as well. As Tommy mentioned, Baylor coming to town. Don't know exactly what the Bears are going to be ranked, but they're going to be a top 10 team. It's going to be another big time matchup coming up for the Jayhawks on Saturday. The Kansas State Wildcats. Uh, a little bit of a pulse there in Manhattan. I see life. They beat Oklahoma 65-57. The Sooners ranked as the number seven team in the country. And Mike McGurl on his senior day, 19 points, seven rebounds, five threes, including one heat check three that I could not believe he actually took. And not only did he take it, he drilled it right in Oklahoma's face as the Wildcats survived the onslaught of Austin Reeves, who, by the way, probably every time he didn't touch the ball and he didn't score, he was probably complaining to the official for a foul call. It seemed like every single time he had the ball, if he didn't score, he was looking for a foul. Now there were a couple that weren't, weren't called. There was the one at the end of the game, which I initially thought, Oh, that's a foul. But after watching it on replay about 10 times, slow motion, there wasn't a ton of contact there from Mike McGurl. We can have a philosophical argument as to whether or not that should or should not be a foul. But Kansas State here, guys, coming down the stretch, when they looked absolutely left for dead after losing, what was it, 12 games, 13 games in a row, and they had gotten blown out by Texas, or no, they played Texas Tuck. They had gotten blown out by Baylor, West Virginia, uh, Kansas whipped them easily in the octagon. Back-to-back -back wins here at TCU. Not that that's saying a whole lot, but a five-point win against Oklahoma, which goes back to what I said as Kansas State fans wrestle with their own consternation, which it seems like they're always in, over Bruce Weber. Tommy, they, it seems to me that they are playing tough for old Coach Weber should this inform their decision on whether or not they're going to keep Bruce Weber? Has the decision already been made? Is it a foregone conclusion? You know, we don't know. Athletic directors say one thing and do something else all the time. Nick Saban said, oh, he was not going to Alabama. Well, we know how that worked out. So they say that Weber is back 100% guaranteed next year. We don't know that that'll be the case until the ball's tipped off in November. But Kansas State, over the last two games, is playing much better, and they're playing, like Kansas, playing much better defensively, too, holding two teams in a row under, actually, they've held three teams in a row under 60 points. I don't think they've done that all year. Yeah, all all Gene Taylor at Kansas State needed was just a little bit of ammunition to keep Bruce Weber. Just, 
just something to validate what he was saying to the press and to the fan base about how they were, you know, giving him a vote of confidence and how they, he wanted, you know, Weber to be back in Manhattan. All he needed was something to validate that he got that against Oklahoma. Um, that's a signature win of the season for the Wildcats. It's, uh, you know, got some, some brewskit ball going on there for uh, the Wildcats. <laughs> that a real term? Um, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't like I'd that. like it to be a real term. I don't I'd like, like it that to be. Um, that's a hot. But at the end of the thing. at the end of the day, though, in all seriousness, you know, they traveled to Morgantown to take on West Virginia this weekend. More than likely, that's going to be a Wildcat loss. But then Senior Day for the Wildcats, they're back at home to take on the worst team in college basketball, the Iowa State Cyclones, who actually almost beat Baylor uh, just, you know, less than 40, less than 48 hours ago. Um, So, you know, I think that there's a chance that Kansas state could go three of four in the win column over their last four games of the big 12 regular season. The reason I say that is because at that point, if the Wildcats can make that happen and go three for four over their last four games, they enter the big 12 tournament with a little bit of momentum I don't know if I would necessarily want to be the team who faces off against the Wildcats in the opening round of the Big 12 tournament. Now, I do think that regardless of who it is, and I'm not exactly sure where projections have, you know, where the the bracket would look like for the Big 12 tournament as of right now, but I would probably end up putting Kansas State in what the the, the play-in game against Iowa State, and then they would probably win that and move on to what take on Baylor or maybe the number two seed. I'm not exactly sure how that would work. Regardless, whoever the top tier Big 12 team is that Kansas State would potentially play in that opening round of the Big 12 tournament, I'm not sure I'd necessarily want to face Bruce Weber and the Wildcats. And there's real quick, if the tournament starting today, Texas Tech, Texas Tech would be in a play-in game. If the Big 12 tournament started today, Kansas State would be the number nine seed. So they would be matched opposite of West Virginia, it looks like. Baylor's undefeated. Now, there's a chance that Baylor still might not win the Big 12 championship because for every game, they have to get to a certain number of games. And if they don't, those get counted as losses against them for their standings or their win percentage. So it looks like it's going to be, I don't think Kansas has a chance to win it. Uh, Kansas 11 and six is in third right now. West Virginia is in second, but a chance for the Mountaineers possibly, depending on how they wrap it up. But Weston, yeah, Texas Tech would be in a play-in game. They'd be playing Iowa State. Kansas State would be playing TCU. So, Tommy, I mean, absolutely that's a winnable game for Kansas State. Sure. So I, I saw, Yeah, no, it, it is. You know, I saw a tweet um, last night and hat tip to uh, Chris Lilly over at Cake. He tweeted this. But according to ESPN, Kansas State is the first team – with a Division II <laughs> loss and a regular season top 10 win since Wake Forest in 93-94, which I think just perfectly encompasses the discussion about Bruce Weber, right? Which we're not going to get into because we've done it already on two different episodes. But that is like, that's the perfect, I think, tweet to like reflect on on this team, right? So, um, you know, they got a lot of young guys. And and I, I know that people get sick of me saying that, but you have to be excited about that. Like young guys, it's just you can't come into the big 12 and compete immediately like that. Unless you're a top 15, you know, 
prospect and McDonald's all American. And even those guys struggle at times, but otherwise it's just, there's just going to have to be growth. And, you know, they're seeing some good things out of some of their young guys. And I think this is just another moment for them to kind of build on and, and see what they can do. But I, I yeah, I'd be, I, I'm with you guys on them being a tough team come the big 12 tournament. One quick thing I want to point out before we move on from this is that if you're a Jayhawk fan, you ought to be thanking the Wildcats for beating Oklahoma because what that did was that yeah. kept Kansas in the in the three spot in the Big 12 because if Kansas or whatever team drops to the number four, which is where Oklahoma is right now, your prize for that is a potential matchup against Baylor in the semifinals of the Big 12 tournament. So if you're a Jayhawk fan, you know, you got to give, you got to tip your cap a little bit to Bruce. Weber and the Wildcats for keeping you in that three spot in the Big 12. Another big stage for Kansas State going to Morgantown. Of course, the Mountaineers blew the doors off the Wildcats at Bramlage Coliseum 69-47. That was back in the middle of the long losing streak just before they got clobbered by Baylor. It seems like a long time ago. It's a 3 p.m. tip. That game is on the deuce. You can follow that on Saturday. Then they wrap up the next Saturday. So they kind of got a bye week there. And it'll be Iowa State coming back in 4 p.m. on March 6th. And that will be on the plus. Last segment of the show, our last topic, I should say, the Wichita State baseball team is in action starting their season, year two of the Eric Wedge era. And they were playing the number 17 Cowboys of Oklahoma State. And they were it seemed like they were supposed to play literally every other team in Oklahoma and Texas. And they looked at playing it basically at a different country to try to get some games in because of the weather that was so frigid, so cold, so brutal when they were trying to start the season, they finally got Oklahoma State to come up to X Stadium. Wichita State loses both of these games to start 0-2 on the air. Their 10-game winning streak at X Stadium from last season snapped 3-1, to then 14-6 to to the number 17 Cowboys. Pitching was not very good in the second game. Wichita State led 2-0. They gave up seven straight, clawed back into it, got within a run, but then five straight crooked innings for the Cowboys, and they ended up pushing the Shockers away. Shockers didn't do a great job of taking advantage of offensive opportunities in this series. Spencer Hines, the Shocker starter, gave up five in the fourth, two in the second. And in the first game, Wichita State could not score with runners in scoring position. They stranded 13. They went one for 13 with runners in scoring position. And the big play, the, the, the whole game came down to bases loaded, no outs in the bottom of the eighth, and you go strike out, thrown out at the plate, and strike out. And Eric Wedge said after, you have got to have something there. You have got to get a run when you've got the bases loaded down by two in a ball game. You've got to at least get one run. Doesn't matter what level of baseball you're playing. Certainly when you're against allegedly, and I don't know how we know how good Oklahoma State is right now, but somebody says that the number 17 team in the country, certainly to win a top 25 game, you have to take advantage of that. So two different results, Tommy, two very different kinds of games, close defensive game and a game in which the pitching wasn't as good, but very different problems accordingly for Wichita State in these two losses to open up the year to Oklahoma State. I still think you have to have a lot of optimism if you're a Wichita sure. State baseball fan. You know, it, obviously it's not an ideal way to start the season for the Shockers starting off 0-2, especially when you look at how Wichita State opened up their season last year before it was shut down and and just the excitement and, and the success that the Shockers had. But the fact that Wichita State 
open the season up against a top 20 opponent. It would have been really easy for Eric Wedge to say, look, like we really want to play baseball. So we're willing to play any takers. Like we just, we need somebody to play. Let's just, let's grab, you know, a a D2 school or, you know, let's, let's play a series against somebody but yet they start the season off with the number 17 ranked team in the country, the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Um, you're, you, you know you're going to be in for a test against a team like that. I think what's interesting to me when you're looking at both of those games, and Blake, you touched on it, was how different both of those games were. Now, obviously, baseball is not a cookie-cutter game. You're not going to have the same kind of game from one outing to the next. But the fact that it was a 3-1 to one game, at you know the the first game of the set and how it really came down to pitching and you know really Wichita State's bullpen was relatively solid in that first game it was kind of the bats that went silent but then the second game final score was 14 to 6 the bullpen did not have a good game whatsoever. So I think you've kind of got some inconsistency. Of course, you're playing a top-tier opponent in Oklahoma State. I think one thing that Eric Wedge is going to need to look for, especially from his pitching staff moving forward, is a little bit more consistency. And then, of course, offensively, some more clutch at-bats from those guys that need to drive in runs. You know, the two the two guys that I highlighted, uh, la- was it last week or the week before on our podcast? Uh, both, you know, if you look at that first game, three, one Cooper Cornbloom went over five, two strikeouts, you know, that's not a great start. And, you know, that's someone right there in the heart of the order that they're, they're really looking to count on, you know, to help produce those runs and bats always kind of come around a little bit slower anyways, is, is kind of the old, you know, saying that the, the arms are usually ahead of the bats when you're coming out of, you know, spring training or I don't know what you call it for college. Cause it's like winter training, I suppose. Um, but then if you look at the pitching in that first game and then Liam Eddy, you know, he gave up. Uh, he gave up three, but really pitched a pretty, pretty good game. I mean, he only gave up five hits and struck out eight, uh, you know, just a couple uh, Oklahoma state was just came up with some clutch at bats with, with runners in, in scoring position. But then if you look at that second game, uh, my guy, Cooper Cornbloom was not going to let that first game, uh, be you really second. want him on the podcast. Don't my you, you guy, really want to get him Cornbloom. on the show? That's right. <laughs> second game. Got to give him the shout out. I mean, you know, two, two for three, two runs, three RBIs. Uh, that's, that's the kind of bounce back. And that, and then look, they, they put, they put some runs on the board that second game. So, uh, that's, you know, they have a lot of pieces. Like you said, Tommy, I, I can't echo it much more. There's a lot of great pieces to this team, so they're going to be okay. Liam Eddy had a bad start for Wichita State. He gave up three in the first inning, but he calmed down. And, the, and like yeah. you said, Tommy, bullpen was fantastic after that with Stumpfig and Barnhouse. And can we get a little shout-out here to the Mays native Corrigan Bartlett, the senior outfielder who yeah. transferred from St. Louis, five for seven at the plate in the doubleheader. Jack Segrist, Ross Cadena, if you've been a Shocker baseball fan these last few years, they're going to be names that are very, very familiar to you. Next up for Wichita State Baseball, SIU Edwardsville, Edwardsville for a three-game series at X Stadium starting Friday, 3 o'clock at X Stadium. I have no idea if SIU Edwardsville is any good, if we're going to know anything about them, about the Shockers, about them playing SIU Edwardsville. I have no idea, but it does look like the weather is going to mostly cooperate. I think I haven't checked in the last couple of days, but might be an awful good day to get out to the ballpark and watch the Wichita State Shockers. Tommy, it's that time of show. 
It's time to hit the music as we go around Wichita with the Wichita Whip Around. One positive story from the air capital that we want to share with you this week. I'm going to start this week because I don't want you bozos to take my story from me <laughs> like you did last time I hosted. So I'm starting this week. That's, that is absolutely accurate. You totally stole my idea last time. I don't know if it was you or Weston, but one of you did. Um, shout out to Capen Mount Carmel Girls Basketball Center, Ella Ancio, a name that you need to get familiar with because she is signed to stay right here in Wichita, play for the Shockers for Coach Adams, just past the 1,000 career points mark, the seventh Lady Crusader to reach the mark, Ella Ancio, one of the dominant post-interior performers in the City League over her last four years. Congratulations to Ella Ancio and Cape and Mount Carmel for that. So I've actually got two. I'm going to go oh. with one first. I'll let Weston go. And then if he doesn't take mine, then I'll give my second one. Shout out to Wellington Senior Basketball Manager, Race Corner. I'm sure that you guys have seen this video. If you haven't, you need to go online. You need to check it out. Race Corner is the Senior Basketball Manager. Uh, he's a teenager with autism. He's been the manager for Wellington since sixth grade. And the video went viral of him suiting up on senior night knocking down that big three-pointer in front of the entire gym, cheering him on. It was the game against Mulvane. And just, you love to see those things happen. You love to see a, a kid like that who is selfless and passionate, works his tail off to get a chance to get out on the court and shine. So congratulations to Race Corner. And uh, that was a pretty awesome thing to see. So Tommy, before I do my, I've got two as well. Before I do my first one, I just need to know what sport your second one is about. <laughs> basketball. It's basketball. Okay. Oh, yeah, okay that's, that's, real, that's really per helpful. Perfect. So my first story, I'm going to go straight from Wichita, Kansas. Uh, I don't know if you all saw the announcement. Wichita Thunder have a new player signing. They signed forward Steven Johnson. He's turning pro after four seasons at SMU uh, with the men's hockey team where he served as an alternate captain during his senior campaign uh, and had 76 points. That's 31 goals and 45 assists in his 119 career games. And you can follow him on Twitter at steveojohnson26. Uh, so looking forward to the, the new player that the Thunder have signed. So I'll kick it back to you, Tommy. And then I, but I've got one more after that too. Yeah, so we would be remiss to not mention the fact that we're getting into state basketball territory. Substate brackets have just been revealed over the last couple of days. And we can go on and on and on about boys basketball and what the brackets look like and that sort of thing. But we, we don't talk enough about girls basketball at the high school level. I know, Blake, your, uh, your story was about that. But I've got another girls basketball story for you. Congratulations to Bishop Carroll as they are the City League champions uh, for girls basketball. They held off the Heights Falcons to claim the 2020-2021 Greater Wichita Athletic League title. Final score of that game, 59-51. to you know, congratulations to, to them. Chloe Shuckman, uh, she scored a team-high 14 points uh, in that game. Kylie Doonan, had, uh, she scored six of Carroll's first 15 points to kick off the game. So uh, a lot of activity there from those two. So congratulations to Bishop Carroll as they are the City League champions for this season. And I believe also that they have won, the Golden Eagles have now won 
14 of 15 games going into the postseason, and it's the first time ever that Bishop Carroll has swept the boys' and the girls basketball titles in the city league in the history of the school as Bishop Carroll beat Heights 51-29. That's a really impressive victory for the Golden Eagles boys. The Heights boys have, we, we talked earlier this season, Tommy and Weston, about how the there was not teams right in the top 10. Heights had made it back to number eight in 6A. And so for Bishop Carroll to come out and beat them like that and sweep it for the Golden Eagles, that's a really big deal. Yeah, I do actually have I'm going to I'm going to go crazy and I have a trifecta of stories. So I've got one more because we're we've got all the time in the world. So Weston, you've got yours, then I've got one more. Okay, perfect. Well, I you if you all know me, I'm not going to miss the opportunity to talk about a little Southwestern College Mound Milder football. I consider that Wichita, Wichita Metro. I had to get this story in. The Southwestern Mound Builder football team coming in at number 21 in the NAIA top 25. And I can't even tell you the last time that Builder football was ranked, certainly not while I was there. Uh, so very excited for for the boys down in Winfield, rocking the purple. Uh, also Bethel, uh, which were terrible when I was there, worse than us, uh, is coming in at number 11. So a couple of metro wow. areas coming in pretty high in the NAIA rankings. Coach Harrison, formerly of Wichita Heights High School, has completely changed the culture at Bethel. The Threshers, I actually, uh, I asked him a question and I had a Carol shirt on and he said, you know, because I know you, I'm going to answer this question, but at my house, we don't wear green. <laughs> Tommy? You know, I, uh, I, just for a point of reference though, I do have to say, I was affiliated with Southwestern College for like, 14 years, either as a student, a grad student, a faculty member. During that entire time I was affiliated with the college, we were never better than 500. And that was like my very first year in 2004. Since that time, they were terrible. And Weston, unfortunately, the years that you played, I remember that you guys were terrible then too. Uh, so I... I love the mound builders, but it's good to see finally some success out on the field. My final story uh, is Wichita High School again, but we're going to talk about something a little bit different, and that is girls wrestling, which we know that has kind of become a big deal in a lot of schools. Wichita North High, they've, I don't know if you guys know this, they've got one of the biggest girls wrestling teams in the Metro. And on that team are two sisters, and I'm going to completely butcher their names, but I believe it's Bilha and Rhoda Bingy, and they were both born in Kenya. They immigrated to the U.S. with their family 10 years ago. Uh, Bilha is a junior, and I believe Rhoda is a freshman. I think that's right. Um, but they have pretty much completely... They, they're kind of the cornerstones of the North High wrestling team. Uh, and so there's this big story on Ketchik, Kansas about them. If you've got an opportunity to check it out, make sure to do so. Rhoda is entering the state tournament Thursday as the substate champion in the 115 pound division and is a substate wrestler of the year. So congratulations to those two girls who have led North High in girls wrestling. And those are my three stories. How about that? 
Man, we, we went deep into Wichita whip around today, and that is our whip around. Uh, boy, Weston got just absolutely thrown under the bus. You didn't, you didn't even try to speak up and defend yourself. Defend your program. Why were you so bad, and why did you ruin Tommy's college by being so bad at football at the Mound Builders? Blake, it, it, it was just bad. There's not much defense to be had. <laughs> now, I will say, as I played, I played defense, I will certainly say it was because our offense was always so atrocious. <laughs> that, I mean, that had to be it, I think. I understand. Uh, real quick, we, uh, we go into our additions, corrections, and retraction statement uh, or segment of the show as we wrap things up here. Uh, once again, make sure you follow us. Hit that like and subscribe no matter where you are. Spotify, if you're listening to us on Podomatic, Apple Podcast, YouTube. We come out with a new episode pretty much every week between thir- uh, Tuesday and Thursday. At some point, the new episode is going to be out. So in order to get the notifications when we produce a new show, you got to hit that button. So we really appreciate it if you would. Um, but one real quick addition that I have, and I've got a couple of corrections as well, but one addition that we we – I didn't really feel like we needed to talk about this, but I think that for our listeners, it definitely is of note to you guys. And the the latest news is that Les Miles, while the head football coach at Louisiana State University, apparently settled with a female student for an undisclosed reason that has been alleged to be regarding sexual harassment of some kind while he was the head football coach at LSU. The settlement terms of the settlement are not available. They're not searchable in the court system database. It has now been come it brought to light by reporting by the USA Today based on some reporting that they have been doing into sweeping sexual harassment under the rug at LSU in the context of the athletic department and the football program. I don't really have an opinion on this because I don't have any facts to have an opinion on. It's a bunch of allegation. Obviously, it's not it doesn't look good, doesn't look good for LSU. And if you've been living under a rock, Les Miles is the head football coach at the University of Kansas. They've declined to comment because they had no advanced knowledge of any transgressions that Les Miles had either while at Oklahoma State or at LSU. And they have said that they're not going to have any comment on it, but that they have talked to Les Miles about it. And you'll recall that there was a big expose, I think, that Yahoo Sports did regarding the Orange Pride program at Oklahoma State, alleging that the female hostesses vetted by Coach Miles may have had sex with prospective recruits as they were brought on campus in Stillwater to become Oklahoma State football players. So that's the latest news. Real quick, guys, if you want to have an opinion about it, you can as I don't have any facts, I don't have any opinion on it, but obviously it's something that we're going to have to keep our eye on as this may be, uh, it may have some effect on Kansas football for the upcoming year. Yeah, I, I guess my opinion on this, and and again, the, the, there's so much that's murky about it, and this is just breaking within the last few hours or so. So this is not a fully formed opinion uh, of mine. But I, I guess where I where I stand on it right now is less about what ha- what happened at, at LSU, and as as far as the cover up is concerned, if there was one, or withholding that information, and more about even if. In Les Miles' idea, in his mind, nothing happened. The fact that the University of Kansas had no advanced knowledge of anything like this going on, either clearly it didn't come from LSU because that was that's the whole point of this story is that LSU kind of covered things up and didn't didn't disclose things or make them public, but also 
regardless of whether or not anything actually happened or not, I feel like it's less Miles' duty to inform his new employers about something that might have happened at a previous job stop. And so the fact that the University of Kansas allegedly had zero advanced knowledge of this, that's not a good look on Les Miles, regardless of what actually happened and, and the settlement and the terms of all of that. So I'd be interested to to learn more about what's going on. I'm sure that we'll hear more about it in the days and weeks to come. And it very well could be a topic that we continue to be discussing. There could be ramifications. There could be fallout to this. I don't exactly know. Clearly, Kansas football is not in a good position any way you slice it. And this certainly adds to the issues. The only thing I'll add as a former attorney who represented employers in these exact situations is it would not be uncommon even in the slightest. And I get that in the 2021 world we live in, it's hard to believe that surprises happen, but it would not be uncommon even in the slightest for both parties to have to have language in there saying they cannot speak or mention, even mention the settlement agreement. That is that is pretty standard in agreements like that. Now, again, I completely understand the realistic side of it that, hey, God, these things leak a lot, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of the realistic side, but that w- would not be surprising at all if that language was in there. Again, I'll just kind of leave with what you guys said because as the attorney in me, these there is so much to be had. Uh, so much knowledge to be had about what what happens in these things, things that will never be known. I mean, that's these claims get settled with ne- with neither party's side being. There's not a winner or a loser ever. So, uh, just a lot that we're, that we're just not going to know with this, and maybe but maybe more details will come out over the next uh, you know few. Well, months. it's exactly like the settlement that Wichita State went through with Greg Marshall. We believe not going to get any advanced details mm-hmm. or any additional details into that. So we'll keep following it. If something else breaks, obviously. It'll It'll be on next week's show. Corrections and retractions. Tommy Castor, you said that Wichita State had no games canceled because of coronavirus protocols in the Wichita State program. You forgot about the opening tournament that was due to coronavirus protocols in Wichita State as they made the trip up. You also said that Kansas State had senior night coming up against Iowa State. It was actually already against Oklahoma. That was senior night for Mike McGurl. It's not the last home game of the regular season, which I know is kind of weird because usually it is the last game, but it's probably just a, a little you know weird flux in the schedule due to coronavirus this year. Those are the only two corrections I got. Any corrections or retractions for either of you? No, other than uh, other than what you pointed out, I think I had a pretty flawless show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you agree? <laughs> no, I mean I was perfect as usual. There was nothing to even add about me. So when wow, you just talk, when you just talk in generalisms, you know, I just it's the lawyer in me, right? Like you're not going to pin me down on anything because I didn't actually say anything during the show. I just yeah, danced around saying something. Yeah, you just yeah, you know, you're you're the best at having an opinionated non-opinion of anybody on the show for sure. Uh, like we've said, follow us. We're on Twitter at CogPod, K-O-G-P-O-D, CogSports.com. Best place to find the podcast is CogPod.Podomatic.com, but we're on all the major platforms. And uh, so find us, subscribe to us, like us. And even if you don't like us, just share us with a friend and hate us. If it's, hit the thumbs down button. We don't care. Just want you to watch. Uh, real quickly for our beloved, because Tommy is, always forgets about you, our beloved audio-only listeners, go ahead and share, Tommy, because yeah, I know, I know. Actually, why don't we just go to Weston? Because Weston actually likes the people who listen and don't watch the show. So, how about you share your <laughs> social media handle on Twitter? 
I am at WMills94, and I want to give a quick shout out to our listener, Austin Knip, who sent me a screenshot of him actually following the podcast, subscribing to the podcast. This Not week. a baby. So, like it. Exactly. Let's follow that lead. I don't know who you're giving your Twitter if, handle to, Tommy, because you don't like the, the listeners, but that's okay. Go ahead and give it to somebody. No. Yeah. So my Twitter handle, if uh, you're listening and you can't see it right below, uh, my Twitter <laughs> handle is at, twi- at at tweets from Tommy. And if Weston's giving a shout out, I want to give a shout out to, uh, to Ben Bolander, who is a fan of the podcast. He texted me the other day. Uh, he was watching the episode on YouTube, took a, took a screenshot of it, and he sent it to me and he said... I can't believe, Tommy, that you are able to be on a video podcast with two of the ugliest guys <laughs> on the planet. And you just you make them look so much uh, worse because you look so great. So hats no. off to Ben Bolander. Did he know That's which box you were? Did he know which box you I'm were, sorry? Tommy? Did he know which box you were? I think so. Oh, okay. I'm, I just want, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Just wanted That's to make not sure how that, that worked. When you look at statistically, when you have like two people who are uglier and an attractive person, the attractive person makes the ugly people look better. It doesn't work the other way around. So you're bringing this up. It doesn't. Yeah. The cheerleader effect. Exactly. I mean, because I'm certainly not bringing anybody up with how we look on, on the video. Uh, I am at B.E. Crips, and that is our show. It's episode 55 in the books. Tommy will be your host next week. Uh, we'll be here sometime. I mean, check us out. Tuesday through Thursday, you know all the websites. Give us a follow. We'll be back next week, and we'll talk about the latest getting set here as we approach the last week of the regular season and also getting set for conference tournaments. That'll be coming up. State basketball, a lot of things to get to next week. So until then, fellas, thank you. Thank you for listening. This is Keeper of the Games in Wichita, Kansas. So long from the Air Capital. Take care, guys. You've been listening to Keeper of the Games with Tommy Caster, Weston Mills, and Blake Cripps. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and listen on all major podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and more. Visit our website at cogsports.com. Find the podcast and videos on Facebook and YouTube at Keeper of the Games. And follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at CogPod. That's K-O-G-Pod.